Hello and welcome to the 13th episode of the Double Coverage Podcast with Mac Irvin III and myself, Sean Holko. And we have a full football show for you all today. In the first segment, we are going to revisit the 2017 NFL Draft. One of my favorite commentators in the NBA, Grant Napier, always says on his radio show that he has to wait three full years to truly evaluate a prospect. And we will do that now with the 2017 NFL Draft. Mac and I, we will revisit it from three years ago. ESPN2 re-aired it last night, so it brought it back into my memory. And uh, there's a lot of news going on about players from that draft, so we will talk about that in the first segment. In the second segment of today... Rob Gronkowski, good old Gronk, is out of retirement, and he's going to go play with Tommy Boy in Tampa Bay as Rob Gronkowski returned to the NFL officially yesterday from retirement and was traded from the New England Patriots to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We will get into the details of that deal, and we will also get Max's reaction to that trade. And finally, to close out the show, the NFL Draft, the 2020 NFL Draft, is taking place tomorrow night on Thursday, April 23rd. So, Mac and I, we are going to preview it. We had our mock draft a couple weeks ago, but now we'll get into the final details and our final thoughts going into the 2020 NFL draft starting tomorrow. All right, Max, so before we dive into the 2017 NFL draft, what were your first impressions looking back on that draft now? Um, I think, uh, you know, you one team made a big blunder at quarterback. And uh, some of the teams got really good quarterbacks. And other teams had a lot of in-between picks, picks that have done okay, picks that have done not so okay. And then you got teams drafting players that just don't play for you ever. So, But I guess that's the story of every draft. <laughs> yeah, it, it sure is. So, Mac, we are going to – you alluded to the quarterbacks. We'll get to them in a second. But we're going to start out – with the running backs. The running backs are always the big debate in every single NFL draft because you have guys like Mel Kuyper saying, don't draft running backs in the first round, which I just think is stupid because if you have running backs like Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette available, they should go in the top 10 as they did in this draft. Leonard Fournette got drafted fourth overall to LSU or to the Jaguars from LSU. And then Christian McCaffrey, he got drafted eighth overall to the Carolina Panthers from from the Stanford Cardinal. Last Monday, Christian McCaffrey just signed a four-year, $64 million extension. And then on the other side, you have Leonard Fournette, and he's currently on the trade block. So, Mac, who's the better running back now, three years later, between Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette? Uh, Well, for me, it's not really much of a competition. I think Christian McCaffrey has proven that he's, you know, the premier dual-threat running back in the league right now. You know, we've seen him we see him carry the rock a lot for Carolina in the last couple of seasons, especially they've had to rely on him more lately since, you know, Cam was struggling with the injuries and whatnot. So their quarterback play wasn't all that great. So they needed to have somebody to turn to to be like one of the driving forces on offense. And for me, that's McCaffrey. You know, Leonard Fournette, he's not bad, but, you know, he has some off-the-field issues. You know, we saw that thing in Jacksonville. We saw him get into a fight on the field. And, you know, his production, it just hasn't been, like, at McCaffrey's level. I don't think he has the same impact that McCaffrey does. I believe that Christian McCaffrey is the superior 
running back, but that's also because he's much more than a running back. And that, just as you had mentioned, that's not uh, that's not a slight to Leonard Fournette because Leonard Fournette had a solid season in 2019. He set career highs in rushing yards, but Christian McCaffrey, he was just setting records and he he was making history. This is a stat from uh, Paul Hemkides, who is uh, the stat man on ESPN's Get Up. The first three seasons in the NFL, rush yards, Christian McCaffrey, 2,920. Marcus Allen, 2,879. Receiving yards, Christian McCaffrey, 2,523. Marvin Harrison, 2,478. Receptions, Christian McCaffrey, 303. DeAndre Hopkins, 239. Yards from scrimmage, Christian McCaffrey, 5,443. Barry Sanders, 5,391. All of those names, except for DeAndre Hopkins, are Hall of Famers. And I think it's safe to say, Mac, that DeAndre Hopkins will be a Hall of Famer one day. So just stacking up Christian McCaffrey and his stats versus all of those four guys, it just shows how elite Christian McCaffrey really is and that he was deserving of this contract. Yeah, and like I said, you know, being that focal point of the offense, we'll have to see, you know, if he can carry that same kind of production, you know, into these next couple years since, you know, they threw all that money at Teddy Bridgewater to be their starter now. So we'll have to see how they uh, continue to, how how they match up and play off each other in that offense. All right, Mac, now let's get over to the quarterbacks here. And getting back to the 2017 NFL draft, Mitchell Trubisky was drafted second overall out of North Carolina to the Chicago Bears. And then at number 10, you have Patrick Mahomes, the future MVP and the future Super Bowl MVP, got drafted 10th overall to the Kansas City Chiefs. And then at number 12, you have Deshaun Watson, who got drafted out of Clemson to uh, the Houston Texans. So, Mac, now we're looking back on it. Is Deshaun Watson better than Mitchell Trubisky? Yes. You were expecting a little more analysis from me, so I'll, I'll oblige from that. But the, the straight answer is yes, Deshaun Watson's the better quarterback than Mitchell Trubisky. In my mind, there's always a quarterback that seems to rise up the draft charts, the draft boards, right before the draft, and he seemingly comes from nowhere. You know, Jared, we saw that with Jared Goff, you know, coming from Cal. Saw it with uh, Carson Wentz coming from North Dakota State. There's always that quarterback that you haven't really been paying attention to that jumps up the draft boards towards the last months leading up into the draft. And for me, that was Mitchell Trubisky. And um, I was, I remember, I remember this draft night very vividly. I was calling for a citizen's arrest of John Lynch for uh, robbing Ryan Pace and the bears for allowing the bears to move up one position to take a player that I don't think the 49ers had any intention of taking that year. Yeah, he, the, the 49ers were not going to take Mitchell Trubisky there, and it's just laughable. And I was watching that draft um, in one of my classes at Sac State. I was taking a uh, – I think I was taking uh, an astrology class or, or – or no, it wasn't astrology. It was, it was geography. I was learning about the geography of the world, and I had the ESPN app, and I had the NFL draft on mute that I was watching it. Um, in class. And I remember seeing that the the 49ers had traded with the Bears. And I was like, what are the Bears doing? They drafted Mitchell Trubisky. And he hasn't really looked too good. He had a good rookie year. He led them to a good record. And then and then he just he just dropped off and dropped off. And now this season is going to be a real prove it year for Mitchell Trubisky, uh, because he has Nick Foles breathing down his neck um, in the backup job. So we will see how Mitchell Trubisky responds to that in a true make it or break it year. Um, 
obviously Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl MVP and regular season MVP. He's in a class of his own. He's a top three quarterback in the NFL right now. There's no debate. There's no need to further discuss that. I will. I will give credit to. I will give credit to the Chiefs for taking that plunge to trade up and get their man because apparently there were some other teams like I saw reports that them, you know the Seahawks were looking to uh, maybe take Patrick Mahomes if he fell further back into the draft in the late twenties. So give credit to the Chiefs for finding their man and getting it right. Um, and after revisiting the 2017 NFL draft, that's how it is three years later. I'm interested to see um, how tomorrow's NFL draft looks three years from now. All right, Mac, now let's get over. We're going to get away from the draft for just a second. We're going to talk about some breaking news that happened in the NFL yesterday. And that is that Rob Gronkowski, a three-time Super Bowl champion with the New England Patriots who retired after last season, is back. He has returned to the NFL. He's no longer going to be in the WWE as their 24-7 champion. Instead, he is going to be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer as he was traded to the Bucs from the Patriots yesterday for a uh, the the total terms of the deal was that Rob Gronkowski in a seventh round pick was traded from New England uh, to Tampa Bay for a fourth round pick, and the pick is going to be in tomorrow night's draft. So it was basically Gronk in the two hundred and forty first pick for the one hundred and thirty ninth pick. So I mean the the Buccaneers moved back a hundred and two picks on a fourth round pick, and they got Rob Gronkowski to to pair with Tom Brady. And we know that Gronk doesn't want to play with any other quarterback in his career, and that's why he came back. Now they're both in Florida. So what do you think about all this, Mac? Uh, it's kind of a low risk move for Tampa Bay, if you ask me. You know, reuniting Gronk with his old friend and Tom Brady. Um, I'm not sure how this is going to play out though, because we've seen great players retire. And then they get that itch and come back, and they just don't perform at the same level. We saw it with Brett Favre, you know, when he came, when he uh, went to the Jets. We saw it with uh, Marshawn Lynch when he went to the Raiders. It just sometimes it just doesn't. They just don't maintain that same level of production. So it'll be interesting for me to see how Gronk performs in Bruce Arians' system, and uh, you know if those lingering injuries that he suffered in New England are still a factor for him. Yeah, and I, I think that there's two main factors to, to think about, and you've probably already thought about these or heard heard these before, but I think that there's two main factors that people need to be aware of going into this. The first thing is, is that maybe Gronk just didn't want to be in that New England system anymore. It's a very regimented system. It's very strict. They do things the Patriot way, and obviously they've won six Super Bowls over the last 20 years, so it has been very successful, but that can be mentally taxing, and for a fun-loving guy like Gronk, I'm sure it really weared on him after a while to uh, to really just be the the best he possibly could, and and that's not that's not saying that he wasn't already, but I mean just in the sense that he's making sure he's not doing anything bad off the field. He's just doing things the Patriot way. So that's the the big number one thing. The second thing that I that I think people need to look out for is. Rob Gronkowski's size. He's still the same height, but he's lost a lot of weight since he retired from the NFL. He was really 
bulky and a tight end and a, a blocking tight end when he retired from football. And since then, in the last year, he's really slimmed down. I've heard some reports that the Buccaneers will want to use him in more of a wide receiver role than a tight end role, which might be a good idea because they already have two solid tight ends in OJ Howard and Cameron Great. So I'm really interested to see how that pans out with the with a slimmer Rob Gronkowski. Is he just going to bulk up over the next six months or is he going to come in just a lot slimmer and more as a wide receiver? Those are the two things I'm really interested to see. Yeah, I'm interested to see the uh, how they're going to use all these tight ends. Obviously, you know, we've seen teams try to survive and have two, you know, star caliber tight ends. So with Gronk, we've seen it before. It can work, but uh, it'll just be interesting. I wouldn't say – I would say my warning to them would be don't expect immediate success out of the gate. This isn't the same Tom Brady, and this isn't the same Rob Gronkowski you saw in the prime New England years. So you have to be willing to give them time to adjust to a new system in a new city, in a new state, in a new team, in a new conference. It's all new to them. So I'd just be cautious if I was a Tampa Bay fan right now. Yeah, that, that's a great point. Um, the Super Bowl expectations are, are pretty high now in Tampa Bay from a team that could barely finish over 500 because their quarterback was throwing over 30 interceptions a year to now possible Super Bowl contenders. That is the Tom Brady effect. And just to, to wrap up this segment about Gronk, Mac, um, I mentioned O.J. Howard. I mentioned Cameron Brate. Those are the two great tight ends that the Buccaneers already have. They bring in Rob Gronkowski. It's unclear right now if he's going to play more tight end or wide receiver. But also at wide receiver, the, the Buccaneers have Mike Evans and they have Chris Godwin, who are both two Pro Bowl receivers. Mike Evans is the top five wide receiver in the NFL. So Tom Brady has all the weapons available to him now. No excuses. He needs to make it to at least the divisional round in the playoffs. And that's setting the bar low with uh, how much talent he has around him. But I've seen a couple of comparisons flowing around um, on social media yesterday um, after this was announced. And the two comparisons that I saw is people are like, oh, Brady and Gronk are going to be great like they were in New England but they're actually going to be like the Brooklyn Nets when the Brooklyn Nets traded for Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett from Boston. And they thought that they were going to be so great. And they made it uh, to the, the semifinals in the playoffs and they got eliminated. And then the other comparison that I saw, which I just saw on Facebook this morning, is someone had compared this Buccaneers team to the 2013 Denver Broncos with Peyton Manning, where they have a lot of talent, but it's a lot of aging talent. So maybe they're past their primes. So, Mac, for you, between those two comparisons, which are the the Buccaneers more likely to be? The Brooklyn Nets with Paul Pierce and uh, and Kevin Garnett, and I know that's basketball, or the 2013 Denver Broncos that had a lot of talent but then made it to the Super Bowl and just got uh, dominated. This seems more akin to the Brooklyn Nets trade, and I say that just because – it, it seems like everything is all good on paper, but as I as I keep stressing, we've seen the good things on paper not turn out to be so good in real life. I mean, everybody thought the Nets won that trade back in <laughs> back in 2014, I believe it was, and uh, it didn't work out for them in the long run. And like and like that trade, this leaves them with a specific window of success while Brady is still you know, playing at an acceptable level. If he falls off dramatically this year or next year, that might throw the whole thing out the window. So we'll have to see if the whole team can come together and really make a run in these next two years. 
Exactly. It's all a wait and see thing. We know that Tom Brady is on a two-year contract with the Buccaneers, $50 million guaranteed. And Rob Gronkowski, he's going to be on a one-year $10 million contract, which he has decided to honor with the Buccaneers. It was uh, what was left on his deal with the New England Patriots before he retired. So we shall see. It's all a waiting game. And first, we have to figure out what's going on with the world and the coronavirus and just getting sports back in general. These guys might be playing in an empty stadium, but we just have to wait for sports to come back first. And then I would love to see how this works out with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mac, now let's get to our final segment of today. Let's preview the 2020 NFL draft, which starts tomorrow. April 23rd. So I think it's safe to say that Joe Burrow is the number one overall pick to the Cincinnati Bengals. Wouldn't you? I would. Yeah. It seems, it would seems like a no brainer for a team that needs a quarterback in Cincinnati. He is probably the best quarterback available at this time. So it makes sense to me why he's the number one pick. Yeah, I agree. He had such a great year at LSU. We already talked about it um, a lot in our mock draft special. Um, but just real quickly, I just wanted to note the fact that he was a Heisman Trophy winner. He had 60 passing TDs, which broke a FBS single-season record. Um, and he also had 5,671 passing yards with only six interceptions in 15 games. He proved that he was the best quarterback in the nation this year, which was a little bit surprising considering um, that it was going to be the Tua and Justin Herbert show coming into the season. And then Joe Burrow just emerged. So I Like I him. said, he, he's the quarterback that comes out. That last minute. Oh no, 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 no. Don't don't <laughs> like Okay, but he but he wasn't the number one pick, is what I'm saying. At the start of the season, he was not the number one pick. He was not the best quarterback that we were looking at. You're right. You're hundred percent right. I think I'm just a little traumatized from talking about Mitchell Trubisky that I don't want to put <laughs> Joe Burrow and Mitchell Trubisky in the same sentence. I'm sorry if for, I react for reference. Well. For reference, I don't think he will be Mitchell Trubisky, but only time will tell. I sure hope so, but we shall see how it works out for Joe Burrow trying to resurrect the Cincinnati Bengals. We know that he's from Athens, Ohio, so he's going to try to put uh, the state of Ohio on his back, and he's going to try to bring the Cincinnati Bengals back to relevancy. So real, uh, let's just go through this. I think that we can get through these top five picks pretty quickly, and then I just want to talk about where all the quarterbacks are going. We already know where Joe Burrow is going, and then we will just give our final thoughts on our teams, the 49ers and Seahawks, um, before tomorrow's night's draft. So number two, I think we both can agree Chase Young is going to go to the Washington Redskins. Yeah, that's my pick. Yep. Chase Young is might be the best football player in the nation, but we know how much people value quarterbacks and quarterbacks will lead your team, which is why Joe Burrow's probably put a little higher than Chase Young on the on the Bengals priority list. But uh, the Redskins would be extremely stupid not to pick Chase Young. But I think the fact that they have Ron Rivera as their head coach now, um, he'll be able to influence them to, to make the right decision. Number three is where you and I disagreed on our mock drafts, Mac. But it's probably likely that Jeff Okuda from the Ohio State University is going to be going there at number three to the Lions. If the Lions stay in that pick, however, because I just received an update from uh, Bleacher Report from Ian Rappaport saying the Dolphins are gauging the price to come up to number three. And they're looking to take an offensive tackle. So I think that the draft, I think the draft has the potential to really change at number three because nobody really knows what's going to happen until we hit draft day. Team's going to move in. Our team's going to move out. So they, the Dolphins want to move up to number three, not to draft to a tug of Iloa, not to draft Justin Herbert, but to draft an offensive lineman. 
But they have Ryan Fitzpatrick. But they have Ryan Fitzpatrick. So what do they need a quarterback for? Fitzmagic, baby. Oh my god. <laughs> You just blew my mind. All right. Anyway, so number three, we can agree that's where things are really going to start heating up. And that's why in my mock draft, I actually had Tua Tagovailoa from Alabama going at number three because whether if it was the Detroit Lions or if it was the Miami Dolphins or someone moved up to that number three pick, I think Tua is going to go number three. Uh, So Joe Burrow is going to go number one to Cincinnati. Not talking about trades because that's how you did did your mock draft and everything. Would you say that Tua goes to Miami or would it be Justin Herbert? I don't even know what Miami's going to do anymore at this point. But if they picked a quarterback, who's it going to be? I still think it's going to be Tua because I think that's the guy they've had their eye on for the longest time. I mean, hope maybe, but I don't know. You know, maybe maybe his uh, Wonderlick score of thirteen, maybe that threw them off. Who knows? Who knows? I think the thing with Tua is regardless of all the other injuries that he's had in his career, the people are most concerned about his hip. How is his hip going to hold up? Um, so that's what that's what the NFL coaches are most concerned about. Is he a liability or is he going to be a superstar? That's the real question. And guys, guys' jobs are depending on these decisions, especially um, in Miami. So we shall see what happens. Um, if whoever doesn't go to Miami, Justin Herbert will probably go to the Chargers. That's probably likely. And then the question with Jordan Love is, where is Jordan Love going to go? Is he going to go to the Las Vegas Raiders? Is he going to go to the New England Patriots? He's going to go somewhere in that 15 to probably 30 range. So I'm interested to see where Jordan Love, the QB out of Utah State, goes. Although I wouldn't lock him into that place. We see, we've seen teams get desperate. This is true. This is true. If, if there's just a, a fire sale on quarterbacks and before you knew it, I mean, the way that we're predicting things, Mac, three of the quarterbacks will be gone in the top six. So maybe there will be a team that gets desperate and they're like, okay, Jordan loves our last real option unless we want like Jake Fromm. So let's go after Jordan love and maybe move up like five to 10 slots. We shall see, but there is so much uncertainty and that is why we love the NFL draft and sports so much. Um, Finally, Mac, let's talk about our teams. The Seattle Seahawks is your team, and the San Francisco 49ers is my team. And tomorrow night, the 49ers have two picks, number 13, which they acquired from the Indianapolis Colts, and 31, which was their own pick. And the Seattle Seahawks have the 27th pick. What do you think the Seahawks do with the 27th pick, Mac, from your fan perspective? Trade, trade, trade. That's what uh, Josh, Josh Schneider and Pete Carroll, they're known for trading down. I will humor the idea that if we do stay in the first round, if we stay there in 28th, or even if we move down to like the 30, 31, and 32, uh, it's got to be an edge player, either an edge player or an offensive line, and it depends on who's left because Clowney still hasn't been re-signed, and all the signs look like he's going somewhere else because the Seahawks just can't afford to pay him what he wants. So I think they're looking to try to get an edge guy. Hopefully he has a better rookie season than LJ Collier, who didn't play many snaps. If he played any, I don't remember seeing him on the field at all. So hopefully they get this draft pick right. So we shall see what the Seahawks do. They are probably likely to trade out of the first round, as they do almost every single year that they have a very late pick. Um, For the 49ers, from my perspective, I think if the wide receiver that they want is there at number 13, they will take him, whether if that's Jerry, Judy, Henry Ruggs III, the guy who I want, and CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb could be gone by then if the Las Vegas Raiders um, decide to pick him before the 49ers get on the board. If I, I think if he is there, that C.D. Lamb will be a 49er at number 13. And uh, 
with 31, the 49ers, they could pick a cornerback. They could uh, pick a wide receiver if they don't get the one that they wanted at 13, or they could just trade out. I'm interested to see uh, what they do there. Because you guys are lacking mid-round picks, if I remember. So. Correct. They, correct. they usually use 30, 31 to trade down and get some second and third round picks. Ideally, that's what I would want. Uh, just from my perspective, uh, I would like to see them get that wide receiver there at number 13, get that elite wide receiver because we know how good this class is. Even though it has a lot of depth, like why not get one of the best ones in there um, in CeeDee Lamb who could be a superstar. And then 31, if, if you get some good offers, trade it back. If not, draft a cornerback at number 31. I'll be happy with either one. Final thoughts, Mac? Um, hopefully Seattle does well. Uh, keep an eye out for Jalen Hurts. I'm curious to see where he lands and if he could possibly work his way up to a starting job in the NFL. I felt he was kind of done harshly in college by the emergence of Tua, and I'm excited to see if he can deliver more. Yeah, Jalen Hurts is a name that we failed to mention at all today, and I'm glad that you did because his draft stock is really rising, and we we talk a lot about those top four quarterbacks, but Jalen Hurts is probably right there at number five um, right under them. So I'm interested to see where he goes, and uh, just as you, I'm interested to see if he does become a starting quarterback in the NFL. And I know that you wanted to mention this last week, so I'm going to do it for you here. Rest in peace to Varis Jackson. He died in a car accident last week. Mac, do you want to say any words about him as a Seattle Seahawks fan? Yeah, you know, just really thankful for him. You know, he was our starting quarterback in 2011. You know, some really rough times. He went 79, missed the playoffs. But then he came back uh, a year later, 2013, was our backup for our Super Bowl years. And, uh, you know, just really got – uh, help get the Seahawks through some rough times and some changing times, and I'm really forever grateful for what he's done for us. So rest in peace, T-Jack. We love you. Thanks for all you've done in Seattle. Rest in peace to Tavares Jackson. We will be back next Wednesday here on Double Coverage for episode number 14. We already have our agenda lined up. We are going to recap the 2020 NFL Draft. We will talk about the first four episodes of The Last Dance, the Chicago Bulls documentary that came out this past Sunday. We'll talk about the first four episodes, and we will also talk about the remaining free agents that are out there in the NFL between Jameis Winston, Cam Newton, Jadavion Clowney. We will talk about all that and more next week here on Double Coverage next Wednesday. For Mac Irvin III, I am Sean Holko. Thank you for tuning in. We will be back next Wednesday here on Double Coverage. And make sure to tune in on Apple, Spotify, and StateHornet.com. Have a good one, everyone.